Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who is actually in a pretty, uh, I don't know if I'd say somber, but, you know, he's hes in his feels, or in his feelings, about uh, it being the last week of the semester. How are you doing today, Brandon? Uh, I'm doing well. You know, it is sad. It is We're not going to be in college uh, after this coming week. Uh, Trevor and I both have finals this week, and we're both done. Um, uh, today we are not joined by Ben O'Brien. Uh, he, he has other responsibilities to attend to, um, but hopefully he'll be back next week. But yes, you know, it is very sad. College is over. Uh, I think we just were talking about how we're both kind of upset. Uh, Trevor and I live very, very close to each other, um, and now we are not going to live as close to each other, which is quite sad. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was literally like a like a two minute walk. I just walked down the steps and cross sidewalk. Not even. Yeah, and I'm to your apartment. So that was that was obviously cool, and you know, it, it sucks definitely that we don't get to have this celebration, and we you know yes. our graduation ceremony is still up in there. We don't know when that's going to be, if it's going to take place. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely some uncertainty there, but um, I you know, but at the same time, I'm I'm excited. I guess I'm just like ready for college to be over. You know, it's. You know, I had my four years, and it was great while it lasted, but I think I'm I'm ready for it to be over. Ready to move on into the real world. Yes. Yes. Um, but we, we have a great episode planned today. We have a lot of fun activities, um, especially our main topic. I think that'll be a, a really fun one. But you know what? We'll, we'll get there when we get there. Let's, let's start it right off, Trevor. Let's go into the Jordan documentary, because we'll probably be talking about that for the next two episodes, too, because, uh, you know, they're releasing two a week. Um, we have seven and eight tonight. Um, as we are recording this on Sunday. Um, so we had episode five and six, and episode five was by far my favorite episode. I think you agreed with me, right? Wasn't five your favorite? Yes, I, I do think it was my favorite, for sure, yeah. Um, and really, every episode's been great. There's There has not been one bad episode. We could definitely both agree on that. Um, but the thing that I found interesting here, we got to see a lot of Kobe uh, in, in uh, the pa- one of the past two episodes. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on what we saw of Kobe and MJ and kind of Kobe being mentored, uh, especially like at the All-Star game? Right. So my favorite part, like if I could just pick any like little like segment or any little three to five minute part of any episode of the doc, that was my favorite. It was the part where they were at the All-Star game. It was Kobe's first All-Star game, I believe in 97 or, or 98. I think it was 98. Mm-hmm. Um and you have like Jordan in the East locker room, with like um, all, obviously all the players in the East, and obviously Kobe's in the West. But he's he's talking about Kobe's like, yeah, that that little Laker boy, you know, he'd take anyone one on one. He's you know basically like saying, hey, this this Kobe kid, he's he's you know he's a problem. So I, I really enjoyed uh, that part. That was definitely my favorite segment of the doc so far. Mm-hmm. And that that All Star game, Kobe played really well. Yeah, I mean he didn't play as well as Jordan. But he played really well. Yeah. And it's interesting to see, you know, Kobe that young and kind of like the demeanor he had versus what he had, you know, in, in 2010, you know, the 2010s, uh, like right before he retired. So, you know, it was, it was, it was, ha- I was happy to see a lot of the Kobe stuff. You know, it's sad too um, because of, you know, what happened with him. But I don't know. It was very, very interesting uh, to see kind of how they react, you know, they interact with each other. And it seemed like Kobe really looked at, you know, Michael as a mentor. You know, he really looked up to him, right? Yeah, absolutely, and it seemed like MJ. I mean, very early on, it was it was interesting that he seemed to respect Kobe right away. He, he could tell that you know Kobe was trying to uh, that looked up to him, and I'm sure MJ probably liked that as well. But yeah, I mean, it was definitely it was interesting to hear that they were. It seemed like they've been friends since they kind of met. I mean, they've been obviously were good friends even in the last few years as MJ 
has talked about numerous times and I think it was just great to see, you know, some of their interactions and even the interactions between like MJ and Magic and Bird. Um, Cause they were, they weren't playing, but they were in like suits and I think they were present at the game too, obviously. So just seeing, um, you know, them talking as well about, you know, some of their memories and stuff. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's super interesting whenever you see these like huge, like mega NBA stars, like interacting with each other especially like bird when he's you know at the end of his career and he's coaching that all-star right uh that all-star team which is super super interesting to see um but you know it was a lot of fun seeing kobe so you know let's kind of transition a little bit over to to the dream team uh, there's kind of two things that i think we should talk about here the first is isaiah and clearly there's this huge hatred between isaiah thomas and michael jordan uh do you think that mj left mj was like yo if if, if isaiah is on this team i i'm not what do you what do you think happened it's really hard to say because um, obviously you have people that'll that'll say that that was the case and others that'll say it wasn't. Now also like MJ and the Bulls, they had just won the championship obviously that same summer. They beat uh, Portland, I believe, in 92. And then they had obviously the, the dream team was in 92. And, you know, Michael was talking about how he was tired and he already was necessarily not super excited about playing for USA Basketball. Like he part of him wanted to take a rest ultimately obviously he played but at least there were talks like he was considering maybe not playing already so I think it's very plausible that this could have been the case it's it's really hard to say it's just like a he said she said some people say um that that was the case and some didn't but I've also heard that there were additional players that didn't really want to see Isaiah on the team as well and the crazy thing Mm -hmm. is Chuck Daly was the coach of the Pistons and you would figure that uh, Chuck Daly would really be like, um, really be yeah, contending hard for Isaiah to be on the team. Like it's crazy to me that Chuck Daly was the head coach of the Pistons and the head coach of the Dream Team, and Isaiah wasn't on the team. I mean, that's really surprising to me. Yeah, and like I was talking with my dad about it, and he was saying how Isaiah was for sure like it. it he was one of the best point guards, if not the best, at the time. Right. In you know in basketball. Um, in my opinion, I, I think MJ definitely left him off. I I don't think there's any, I mean, I mean, there's obviously something wrong with that, but I don't think there's anything horribly wrong with that because, you know, you, you got to give MJ what he wants, you know. And from my understanding, especially just like reading more into Isaiah Thomas, pretty much everything Isaiah Thomas did kind of failed after after basketball. He was a great basketball player, but like literally like any time he did anything, it's, it's kind of failed. So I think especially, you know, if you knew that fact while playing basketball, like obviously the team was good. But he brought so much trouble with him, especially if you knew that. It seemed like MJ just kind of caught a hold of that, besides the hatred. And he was like, hey, I, I just I cannot have this on my team. I don't know. To me, it, it, it kind of makes a little bit of sense. Of, you know, just a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm not saying he shouldn't be on the team, but I'm saying from MJ's perspective, I, I kind of understand. I know, like, Scotty didn't like him. I know there were other players that didn't like him. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, he definitely, just looking at some of the other players— um, like Christian Leitner was on the team. I I don't know why that was the case. I mean, he was so he was like I actually have an answer to that. Yeah, so I I didn't look. I have that. an answer to that. So basically, up until that, I believe it was that year, there was only college players that were on the USA teams. So they still wanted college representation, and that's why Leitner was on the team. That's just I he's the know. only college player. It's so strange because obviously he's nowhere near. Like thinking about it now, you know? yeah, yeah. Thinking about it now. It's it's yes it's it's weird to think about because the NBA players are the only guys that go but at that time there was only college players going so I I don't know people Before keep on saying it. like why was Leighton yeah. on the team like it doesn't make any sense I'm guessing it this is what I I heard 
is that up until that year, and he said in the documentary, college players weren't were the ones on the team, and they were getting their butts handed to them, you know, because they were getting killed. So they still like the USA representatives still wanted a college oh, representation, player. and that's why yeah that's why Leighton was on the team because I mean I think he was the best college player at the at the time, um, and he might be one of the right. best college players to ever play. Yeah, he was um, the best college player at the time. It just, I guess, I mean, that's what makes most sense, though, that what you said, that he was kind of like the token college player, I guess. I don't know. Yes. Um, but yes. but even considering From other guys. From my understanding, he played a little bit, too. Yeah, that's, I don't know, that's strange. I mean, even other guys, like, I thought he was better than John Stockton. I think he was better than Clyde Drexler, um, Chris Mullen. He was, I think he was probably better than Chris Mullen, too. But, so he should have been on the team for sure, but, you know, it's... I don't know. It's tough. I mean, Isaiah definitely deserved to be on the team. So, yeah. He, statistically and talent-wise, he he did. But so let's let's one last part of this documentary that I thought was super interesting. We got to see probably the greatest game of basketball ever played, and that was that scrimmage. I know this isn't on our notes, but I'm you know what I'm throwing in there, Trevor, um, because it was. I mean, it's widely considered one of the best games of basketball that have ever been played. Is when you know we had magic versus mj you know going at each other what did you think of the uh, you know what we saw and i know people have seen that some of that footage before but we got to hear the first-hand accounts from magic from mj um i think pippen was in there a little bit so what did you think of that right i mean that was awesome i mean it it seemed like um at least i've heard this before but it seemed like that's when like the torch was passed from magic to michael as like being the best player mm-hmm. that's kind of what it represented i mean michael i mean he was already the best player he was already better than magic but it seemed like that represented like um magic conceding and and even like other players conceding like hey michael he's definitely the best player let's just give him his due like you know and you know, don't try to test him. I, I think, like, some players were trash-talking him. I forget specifically, maybe, like, Charles Barkley or someone was trash-talking him, and then, or maybe Magic, but either way, he mm-hmm. obviously responded, and they knew after that not to, you know, trash-talk Michael because that would give him a reason to just go off and score every point from there on afterward. Yeah, and it was interesting hearing, like, the, the the little part where someone asked MJ who takes the last shot, and, like, his reaction was just so funny. He's like, well, well me, of course. Yeah. Like, like, no hesitation. Yeah. Just immediately, like, it's obviously going to be me. And you could actually see, I believe it was Roy Williams in the background, uh, like, laughing at when, when MJ say that, said that because it was, it was so funny. Um, but overall, very, very interesting. The, the documentary, of course, we, we both love it. I know Ben lo- likes it, too. Um, and, you know, we're very interested to see 7 and 8 tonight. Um, but let's keep on moving along. We're going to go over to uh, Adam Silver's discussion he had with NBA players, which I heard went relatively well, um, just from, you know, Woj and different, you know, different tweets that I saw. So, Trevor, what, what, there's a lot to unpack in this. What, what do you want to start off with? Yeah, so I think the first thing is um, the issue with, like, the, or at least one of the things that stood out to me, because this is how... Um, the NBA, obviously, they, they need this to come back. It's like the issue with the testing situation with the virus currently in the United States and the fact that we still need, I think, from a PR standpoint for the NBA because they could get, apparently, um, and, and Rachel Nichols and Bobby Marks were on Woj's podcast. I listened to that. And they were talking about how, like, from a PR standpoint, yes, they can probably get testing from, like, some kind of private company, but there would be a lot mm-hmm. of backlash in response to that so therefore they don't want to do that they want to wait until there's widespread testing at least for i think the frontline medical workers there was a um 
one thing I heard was like they need frontline medical workers to have widespread testing, and another thing I heard was that the whole country, like there needs to be widespread testing. Obviously, the latter is much more difficult of a scenario, like the lat, um, mm-hmm. the widespread testing being throughout the country because we don't know when that's going to happen. That still might take a couple more months. I, I don't know. I think it's definitely getting better, but we're still. Um, a little ways from that. I think the frontline medical workers, I think we're getting really close to that if we're not there um, yet. But I think that's the biggest issue here for that as far as whether the NBA can come back, how soon can they come back. That's the biggest takeaway for me is from a PR standpoint, when can the NBA say, all right, we, we got these apparently 15,000 tests is the number that they were saying they needed um, to finish the NBA season. So when – from a PR standpoint, can they get the 15,000 tests where there's not going to be backlash? Yeah, I think there's kind of a, a tough balance of when, when that's going to be, and I don't know if there is a correct answer, uh, especially at this moment in time. I think maybe you know we can come along the right answer, but I, I think it's going to be so tough for all of this to happen just logistically. And a lot of what the points you said, just from a PR perspective, um, you know how how the public would see, you know, oh, well, these NBA players got 15,000 tests. How is that fair to you know me, a private citizen? I, I think there's a lot of issues uh, with starting this up. It's going to be interesting to see how they do it. Uh, I know there was a part where Adam Silver said this could be the greatest challenge we have, and then he also talked about how 40% of the league's revenue uh, is from those game day situations like in, in you know arena. So it's going to be very, very interesting how they decide to put this on. Uh, obviously, he, he confirmed the two places that they were potentially going to go was either Vegas, uh, said correctly right there, Trevor, Vegas, <laughs> or uh, Orlando. Uh, so it's it, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how this pans out. You know, uh, truthfully, I'm I'm not sure what's going to happen. I, if you had to guess, Trevor, what do you think will happen? Because I, I mean, I think they will reopen uh, the NBA and they will play again. Maybe not exactly soon, but I think it will be this summer. I'm I'm pretty confident about that because you know we talked about the 70 game mark uh, last episode. They definitely want to get to that 70 game mark. That is really really important for the league uh, to do. So I think they will. Uh, do it. It's going to be interesting. Whenever that widespread testing is, you know, going to be around, which I don't know if that's going to be soon or not. It's not looking so good for it being soon, but we'll see. I don't know. What do you think is the most viable that you've heard or seen? Yeah. Like so when, when it'll start? So I guess like everyone, um, like like Woj and Rachel Nichols and Bobby Marks and all of these people that seem to obviously have mm-hmm. much more knowledge than we do. They, for the most part, all seem relatively confident that this will happen in some way. So I I still am, like, reserving that, like, getting my expectations up, I guess. But I still do have, like, the high hopes that because these people are confident that maybe I should be a little more confident too. I'm just having a hard time doing that. But, like, as far as the most viable solution, I think that um, – and also I think it helps that the season – I think it's become clear that this season definitely won't start in October. Like, next season, I'm saying. Next season, it's clear that yes. a lot of people love the idea of it starting around Christmas time, which I also love. I love the idea that you start around Christmas time because it's um, so you're not conflicting with the NFL schedule as much. You start later, and then you end around, like, August when um, – because usually in August and July, we really don't have a lot of stuff. Like we have, ba- I mean, if you're a baseball fan, you have content, but like, I'm not a huge baseball fan. So really I don't have any sports during July and August. Mm-hmm. So if we make that change from, and go from like December start time and then finish the finals in August next season, for example, that would be much better. And I like that idea. So I think that now with that in mind, they're able to push back, um, when they end. So like, I don't, there's no set deadline. Originally there was talk about like, 
oh, we need to finish by Labor Day weekend. But I don't think that's the case anymore. Woj, um, the tone that he had on the podcast was that that's not necessarily the case. They can finish later. So essentially, maybe they have, they get to the 70-game threshold. Say that takes, I don't know, if each team needs a maximum of seven seven games, maybe that's three weeks. So say you start that in mid-June, and then you go to, or not mid-June, you'd have to start training camp. Because they need, I think, three weeks of training camp. Three weeks. Which is what yes, I think Chris weeks. Paul wanted in the NBA PA. So, like, you need a three weeks training camp. If you start mid-June, that goes till the first week of July. Then you have the three weeks of the regular season. Then you're in your starting playoffs beginning of August. And then usually the playoffs mm-hmm. runs close to two months. Adam Silver also said that he really was, like, he really wanted it to still be the same playoff format. Like, he wanted it to be seven-game series. So if you're going to do that, it has to take two months. So it's got to go till the end of September in that case. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, like, eventually it gets back to being a normal season at some point in time. But I don't know. We'll have to wait and see before we get more information. So to end Small Talk today, we're going to go to Small Talk Trivia. Uh, Trevor, what is the current score? I think we both got points last time. Yeah, the score is 23-18. to 18. I currently am leading. Okay, so I'll, I'll start off today. I think I have a good question. I, I asked you what the topic of the question you want. What sport before the podcast? You said NBA. So I will give you an NBA question today. Um, and here is your question. Who leads the NBA all time with the most personal fouls in their career? Ooh, most personal fouls of all time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. According to basketball reference, I should say. I think this is correct, though. I looked it up in multiple sources said this was correct. Interesting. So, mm-hmm. obviously, this is— And also, while you're thinking, while you're thinking, I'll say this. Keep on thinking. Yeah. Uh, if you guys know the answer and you got it right, tweet at us. Tell us you got the right answers, all right? I want to hear if you guys got it correct. So, Trevor, let's go through your, your thought process here. Okay, so most uh, personal fouls of all time of any NBA player— Obviously, um, I, I mean, I got to think of a player who played a long time. I think in a lot of cases, like, my first instinct is that it's a big man. I think it's like either a center or like a power forward. That's my first instinct because um, especially in the older days, there's a lot of feeding the post, getting down low, trying to finish or draw fouls. So I think it's probably a center or power forward that played a long time. So Kareem played a long time, obviously. We know that. Uh, most points scored ever. He played, I think, 19 seasons. Um, Shaq played a decent amount of time. He played about 18 seasons. And Shaq was known for getting in foul trouble a lot. So Shaq is yes. a very viable option, I feel like. Um, mm-hmm. You know, old, other older players like Wilt, Bill Russell, I don't, I mean, there's really no way of knowing how many fouls they got. And also, I don't know if it would have necessarily been on record either if they would. Um, have this record. Like, I don't know if they were keeping the stats for all of their years. They they may have been, mm-hmm. but they also may have not been. So I feel like the safer option is to go with a player whose career was, like, from the 70s until now or something like mm-hmm. that. So I think Sha- okay. Shaq is, like, my, my first instinct. I think Kareem also could be an option. I think other guys, like Carl Malone played a long time. But, you know what, I'm going to go with my first instinct – um, and I'm going to go with Shaquille O'Neal. I think he has the most fouls of all time. Is that your final answer? Yes, final answer. Trevor, you were, you know what? Every week I talk about how you guess. That, was, you that wasn't a guess. Throw up a guess. So, again, I, I think you should go back to guessing because you actually missed this oh, one. Oh, okay. <laughs> However, you named both players that are one and two on this. Wow. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is number one. 
4,657,000. Carl Malone is number two, 4,578,000. Mm. So okay. you should go back to guessing. Yeah, maybe. You should go back to guessing. <laughs> All right, All so right. Uh, Trevor takes an L on the question today. You're still in the lead by quite a bit. What is your question? All right, so my question is uh, related to the NFL, and I'm going to give okay. you a, an opportunity to catch up. Actually, I believe um, – so – to the answer of this question, there are five possible answers. If you get all five of them, I will give you five points. Okay, so you all could right. actually cool. tie it I'll up. Catch up. Now, I like hearing that. You're. It's very unlikely that you get all five, um, but okay. there's that possibility. So the question is: okay. um, All five of these players are tied for the most Pro Bowl selections of their entire career. They all have fourteen. Pro Bowl selections. So how many of these players can you name, basically? And and each player you name gets a point. So each one of these five players has 14 times that they were selected to the Pro Bowl in NFL history. Okay. I can definitely think of two that I know right off the bat, and that's Manning and Brady. I'm like, I, I'm like almost 100% sure they went to 14. The other ones are going to be the issue. I can think of a couple players. Of course, my guy Ray Lewis went to a lot, but I'm almost 100% sure he did not hit 14. I think he hit 13. Um, Jerry Rice has a lot. Who else has a lot that played like a really long time? I can think of Jason Witten might be up there, but far. Um, oh, I know another player. Tony Gonzalez is another good one. I'm definitely submitting Manning and uh, Brady. That's Those are definitely being submitted. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you that those two are correct. Manning and Brady are correct. Yeah, no, I, 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 was, I was pretty sure about those. The other three are going to be quite challenging. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think... I'm pretty sure Tony Gonzalez is one of them. I'm not submitting that yet. Uh, I know... Let's see. The defensive end on the Eagles, uh, Reggie White. He played a long time. Oh, God. Larry Fitzgerald might have a lot. This is a tough one. I'm going to go with... Tony Gonzalez has to be up there. He played so long. And he was good early in his career. I'm going to pick Tony Gonzalez. That's another one I'm picking. Is that right? That is also correct. That is uh, one of the five. Yes. So you currently have three points. Um, Who are your other two guesses or two selections? The other two, I have no clue. I have no clue. Can you, what, geez, what teams were they on? Can I have that? Are they, are they old players? Like, did they play in our lifetime? Um, They're, they're older players. Yes. Both of them are older players. I will, I will give you that. These two are much tougher. I will admit. I'm. I don't think I'm gonna get this one. Give me. Give me. Can you give me the teams if they're old? Yeah, I will. Or would that give it away? Um, I'll. Okay, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll give you the teams. Um. So hold on. I. I actually don't know either of these players, so I'm currently trying to figure it out. All right. Um. One of them played for the Houston Oilers and the Tennessee Oilers. And the other one... Oh, I know who that is. I know who that is. Yeah, no, I know who that is. Did he play on the offensive line? 
I'm pretty sure he's an offensive I'm not, lineman. I'm not, I know who it is. I feel like I already gave you too much. The, Who's what's the other team? You said you'd give me the other the team. The other one plays. I think I know the. I think I know the first one. The other one uh, played for the the Rams. The Rams, just just the Rams. The the Los Angeles Rams. So I think I know the first one because I think he's one of the best offensive linemen of all time. I think. So I, I'm pretty sure I know who. Uh, who that I, might, is. I may have just given it, given it away. You might have given that one away. Is it is it Bruce Matthews, the the guard? That is correct. Like he really played on everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I, say, I, I knew oh him because once my. you said once you said both Houston Oilers and Tennessee Titans, I was like, oh, I know exactly who that is because uh, I know when they switched. The last one, I have no clue. He played on the Rams. I should not have given you that hint. I don't even know who that could have been. Who played on the Rams? And this this wasn't in our lifetime. No. Well, Bruce Matthews was in our lifetime. Uh, I mean, like, the last two, three years of his career, I guess. Yeah. The other players okay. I have no clue who the last one is. I don't even know if I have a guess. I have no guess. I don't know who it is. Who is the uh, the last guy? All right, so the last guy is, um. I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Merlin Olsen. He played from... Oh, there's no way I would have gotten 1962 that. To, 1962 to 1976. He was a defensive tackle for the Los Angeles Rams. So, yes. Mm-hmm. I will say this. Those... The the three I was pretty I was def I was a hundred percent sure about Manning and Brady, Gonzalez I was pretty sure about, so I submitted it. Bruce Matthews I would not have gotten unless you told I, me. The I I should not have done that. <laughs> well, you, well, you, that was really impressive because some of the other ones names you threw out there like had like so like Reggie White, Jerry Rice, Ray Lewis because Reggie all White had played a long time. They all had thirteen. Um, you also threw out yeah. like Jason Witten. He had eleven. Like, a lot of your thought process, Brett Favre feet 11, was very on point. So, that was impressive. A lot of the... I was just trying to think of guys who played a long, long time. Because, like, I know Ray Lewis played, what, like, 16 years or something? 17 years. 17. Reggie White played 15, 16 years. Yep. Uh, I, I know Jason Witten's above 15. So, like, it was just more of a factor of figuring out how many years these guys played for. I mean, like, now, like, thinking about it... I'm sure another Raven, Jonathan Ogden's up there. He had a lot of Pro Bowls. Uh, Anthony Munoz is probably another guy who's up there. Yep. Um, Champ Bailey, maybe? Was Champ Bailey? Yeah. Champ Bailey, Champ Bailey has 12. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a lot of... I'm trying to think of like the old, old players. Is Johnny Unitas on there? He has 10. Is on the list? He has 10. Uh, I'm trying to see how many more I can name. Ronnie Lott, the safety? He has 10 also. Yep. Larry Fitzgerald has 11. I tapping out. Yeah, I said him. I don't know. I don't know many other ones. Those are the ones I got. Very impressive. All right. I feel like I did well. I got four points. So now it is 23 to 22. You are certainly back Ooh! in the game. Back in the game. Wow. Trevor, I actually thought you would get the question today. I thought you would get my question. But <sighs> um, All right. So the score is close. I'm only down by one. I'm, I'm, I'm coming back for my lead. Uh, we have now both asked each other quite wacky questions back-to-back weeks. Maybe next week we'll ask you know, another multi-point question. I don't know. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Okay, so next up, we have randomly ranked. We have no 10, 10 out of 10 with Ben today. Sadly, he's not here. Um, hopefully, we'll be back next week. Um, randomly ranked this week, we have the best movies from 2014. Yes, we're still on the movie wave, okay? We like movies a lot. Now, here's the it's thing. quarantine. When we are picking what year, when we, what did you say, Trevor? I said it's quarantine, you know. Um, people probably yes, watch a lot more movies. Want, a lot of movies. 
So, I did 2014. We did 2014 because there are so many good movies this year. And I found the year, and then Trevor went and looked at it and named almost none of the movies on this list. So, <laughs> I'm very upset about that because this year has my personal favorite movie of all time. So, Trevor, I went first with questions, so why don't you go first with Randomly Ranked? All right. So, um, yeah, my, my list, I wasn't quite as... Um... I wasn't quite as big of a fan of the 2014 movies as you were, mostly because I haven't seen a lot of them, not because I just didn't like a lot of them. Um, it does definitely seem like a great movie year. I just need to see a lot of these movies, so um, I, I will do that in the future. I will definitely see some of these top movies because I definitely do want to see some of them. But my top three, um, I'm going to start off number three with 22 Jump Street. Um, mm -hmm. This great one movie. was a great movie. Not quite as good as 21 Jump Street, but nevertheless... Mm -hmm. um still actually fantastic I, I know movie. a podcast member i know one of our podcast members here would beg to differ on that really i would I, i'm gonna have yes. to go and watch it because i don't think i've ever rewatched 22 jump street i think i've only watched it the one time mm -hmm. so i need to go I, refresh my this. memory and uh watch it again i'll say this personally i like 21 jump street better ben likes 22 jump street better i believe he can correct me next week on the podcast he can speak up but i think he likes 22 better interesting so uh number two i think that would be his number one really I think so. I think that would be his number one. Maybe maybe my number one would also be his number one, but I think that would be his number one. So I'm speaking for Ben this week, too. <laughs> yeah, ben, ben, you have no voice this week. Um, number two, I went with American Sniper, another movie I watched like right when, it, good movie. right when it came out. I have a little bit better of a memory of this one, and it was, it was just fantastic. I mean, another movie I should probably go back and watch again, but a uh, very, very great movie. And number one, um, going with a movie who includes one of my favorite actors ever which is paul walker and that movie is brick mansions brick mansions i mean um a lot of people probably don't know oh, about brick mansions. i have seen brick mansions yes a lot of people probably we were don't talking know about the podcast. It. it's fantastic i had this aha moment i had this aha moment because i haven't i thought i was like oh i haven't seen the movie i remember brick mansions yes. that was the movie where like they like all like the rich people were like on the outside. And they like locked all the people inside. And the... I remember that movie. It was a great movie. Yes. you're right. I need to go back. It was on Netflix for a little one. while. I need, to go back and I need to go back and watch this one as well because that it was fantastic. The first time I watched it. Yeah, no, that was actually and... that was the first movie I saw with Paul Walker. And I remember thinking I was like, oh, this is the guy that's in uh, Fast and Furious. Right, right. Oh, uh, when I re when I watched the movie because I didn't watch it like yeah. live or anything. But I remember it was on Netflix and I watched it. And that movie is great. Yeah, I think really good. I think outside of the Fast and the Furious movies, this is probably the best movie that Paul Walker's in. I think this is probably in, and he was great in it. It was so yeah. This is my number yeah. one. Yeah, no, he was great. It's he was basically the whole Snopson movie. We're just giving it, everyone should go watch Rick Mansions. That should be number one. This is a great movie. Great. Where he was a cop, right? And he went like inside to like do something for the the like the people on the outside correct uh yeah i believe so i i know like see again like all three of these i've i have trouble remembering but he was i i know like the wealthy part you're correct like about how it says yeah. in detroit grand houses that once tell yes. the wealthy are now homes in the city's most dangerous criminals so yeah he is yes. an undercover cop yep as obviously he is yep. in the fast and furious franchise so yeah, it's it's a great movie. You you all should watch it. It's it's a perfect part for him. Okay, so I have to start off here. Um, this had so many great movies. I could count probably twenty or thirty movies that I just love. So I went with two honorable mentions. One of them is Twenty Two Jump Street. Twenty Two Jump Street are the great. Both movies are really good. I I really enjoy both of them. Um, and then my other honorable mention is Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit, uh, which I love. I love the Jack Ryan movies. It's Chris Pine. 
Uh, and they're, there's, they're really solid movies. I highly recommend um, Jack Ryan's Shadow Recruit. Then, number three. I'm giving a shout-out to my boy Chad and Aaron. Okay? This is Captain America Winter Soldier. Uh, I love the Marvel movies. You'll always find Marvel movies in my top, you know, couple when we do these. But uh, Captain America Winter Soldier is a really good movie. Uh, I like it a lot. And it's my boy Chad's, his, like, favorite movie. He loved, well, It might not be his favorite, but I know it's his favorite Marvel movie. Uh, or if not one of his top. Number two is another movie that I think everyone should go and watch today. And that is Edge of Tomorrow um, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. It's such a good idea. It's basically about how aliens invade the world, but there's an alien that, like, hits Tom Cruise, and every single day restarts when he dies. So every single day he restarts, like, from the point where he started. And it's it's just crazy. The whole story is amazing. And then number one is my all-time favorite movie. I've talked about it on the podcast before. It's Guardians of the Galaxy. Chris, pa- Chris Pratt. We have Dave Bautista um, as one of the main characters. Uh, there's a little animal who uh, Bradley Cooper plays. It's such a great movie, directed by James Gunn, uh, who's such a great director. Uh, highly, highly recommend. The storyline's amazing. It's it's literally my favorite movie of all time. I, I just recommend it to anyone. Trevor, have you seen Guardians? You haven't seen Guardians. I, I, I still have not, no. Still have okay, not seen it. that's your homework for next week. <laughs> you gotta watch Guardians. That's your homework. I, I might I, do I'll probably get to it at some point this summer for sure uh, maybe not this week but yes. uh this some at some point this summer I will get to it I will of course okay so we are going to go into our main topic today and I teased earlier that this is going to be a really fun one and I think it will be I'm very very excited um we are going to create our ultimate basketball player we we have come up with 12 different attributes or qualities I guess you could say uh that you know we're going to take different players' you know, qualities or attributes of you know, the attribute that we name. We're going to go back and forth and say whose we have. So here are the categories. We have three-pointer, mid-range, finishing, handles, passing, basketball IQ, on-ball defense, off-ball defense, rebounding, speed, athleticism, and leadership. So we have quite a few uh, attributes and qualities here. So Trevor, let's start this off. I'm going to go right to you to start off. Who is your three-pointer? And this is all-time players. Oh, one other rule. We cannot repeat. So if I say my you know, three-pointer is LeBron James, then I cannot use him again. Um, and I'd like to say before we start, before you start, Trevor, realistically, I would put LeBron at everything. I would. But that is not, not the, uh, the point of this. I'm not going to do that. Not Maybe not everything. Maybe like five or six. Much he'd be at everything. Five or six of them, maybe. He'd probably be at like uh, all these, in my opinion. All right, Trevor, who is your <laughs> oh three-point guy? Your three-point, whose attribute are you taking? Right, so for three, three-pointer. For uh, three-point shooting, I think this was honestly probably the easiest one for me. I went, This is pretty easy. Yeah. It's pretty easy. Um, there's obviously other great options, too, but I think this one I was pretty set on Stephen Curry. Uh, I think Stephen Curry, yeah. when it comes to... Mm-hmm. Uh, coming off of screens, catching and shooting, and shooting off the dribble. I mean, Steph Curry, the range he has is unbelievable. I think he has to be the pick here. Yeah, no, I, I pick Curry too. Uh, I think he's the greatest three-point shooter of all time. Um, I, I I just I actually have no hatred towards Curry. A lot of Cleveland people have a lot of hatred towards him. I have no hatred. I think this was a pretty easy decision. Uh, there's definitely some harder ones down the road, but this one I for sure knew right off the bat. And, I'm glad we have the same person here. So uh, I'll go next here. We'll, we'll do a snake again. Uh, next up is mid-range. Mid-range also, I, I thought this was pretty easy. There's one other person I thought about taking, but the person that I took is way, just so clearly better than the second person. I'll name both of them. The person I picked was MJ. 
uh, Michael Jordan. I thought about picking DeRozan, but I was like, no, this is really not a good comparison. On one. MJ's just so much significantly better than DeRozan. Uh, however, DeRozan is a great mid-range shooter. Um, so MJ's my pick at mid-range. Yeah, you know, uh, I think we're going to be uh, two for two on the green because I also have Michael Jordan there here. I think uh, Michael Jordan, his mid-range game is so great. He was so efficient at it. Obviously, you have guys like Kobe and I think Kevin mm-hmm. Durant's a very good mid-range shooter. Um, DeRozan's a good selection too because that um, he like he loves the mid-range. He pretty much only takes mid-range jump shots. So DeRozan's that's, a good that's one. kind of his whole game, right? But uh, Michael Jordan is the pick here. I think he's he's efficient at mm-hmm. taking them. He is different um, moves. He can you know get in the post. He can do the fadeaways with the, the mid-range, or he could just take the pull-up mid-range shots. Um, so yeah, Michael Jordan is who I have for mid-range. So next up, we have finishing and for me trevor this was the hardest category i i had a really tough time with finishing uh so who who do you have for finishing yeah so i had a tough time too um i did not go lebron here though because i put lebron mm-hmm. somewhere else but i think lebron might be the best finisher but it's also tough because originally when i was thinking about who i would put here i was thinking of a lot of guys who were good at like driving to the basket and like finishing through contact or you know contorting their body so that they can finish but i think we really need to also consider some of the big men who are great at finishing specifically one big man who i am selecting here for finishing it's a little little strange maybe for to some people but i went with Shaq as the best finisher here um because i think Shaq is so dominant his ability to get to just dunk over people or finish at the basket with layups, I think is so great. He can he's so great at moving bodies that it's hard to stop him. That's why people just resorted to fouling him so that he couldn't finish over them. So I went with Shaq here. A little unconventional, but that's who I uh, chose. So I just made a quick switch as you were talking there. I switched who my finishing person was because I thought I had a better option from what you said. It's not the same person as you, but I thought I had a better option um, here. I switched it up a little bit. I was going to pick Kevin Durant, and the reason I was going to pick Durant is I, I think there's a lot of aspects that, of his game that are really good. I also did decided not to put LeBron there because I have LeBron somewhere else. However, I think LeBron should be there, but I, I can't repeat, and there's something else that I want to put LeBron at. So I actually ended up putting Giannis here, uh, especially in the past, I think, two years. The way Giannis has been able to drive to the hoop and pretty much finish through any sort of contact has been absolutely insane. And I'm actually surprised there hasn't been a lot more, like, just hack a Giannis because he's not this amazing shooter, um, kind of similar to Shaq. So I, I decided to go with Giannis here. I was actually going to put Giannis somewhere else, but I changed it up, and I, I, Trevor knows where, where I was going to put Giannis. So it'll be interesting to see who I have there. Um, but, you know, Giannis is at finishing. So this is the next guy I have for handles. I was going to put at finishing, but we can't repeat. Um, I This is a pretty easy decision for me. I didn't have too many people I considered with this, um, but my handles is Kyrie Irving. I truthfully believe Kyrie Irving's a little bit of an overrated player. He's not a great leader. Um, he cannot be the man on the team. However, he is one of the best handling packages and finishing packages I have ever seen in my life, um, and he, he pretty easily takes handles for me. Yeah, so for handles, I considered two guys. One of them was Kyrie Irving. However, I did not end up choosing him. I actually chose Allen Iverson for handles, and, mm-hmm. and here, that was my second guy. Yes, and here's why I chose Allen Iverson. I think that the difference between Allen Iverson and Kyrie Irving's handles is I think Kyrie can do more different 
like things. Like I think his handles, he he's very um, he has a lot of counters and he can do a lot of things. However, I think Allen Iverson, um, his handles work more effectively because he doesn't try to do too much fancy. Like I think Kyrie sometimes he can get a little too fancy, and sometimes that can work to a little bit of a detriment. A lot of times it it's just it works to obviously his advantage. But I think I don't know. I I just think Allen Iverson's slightly better as far as handles go. Yeah, the, the one thing I always go back to, especially with handles, is that one video where there was a Team USA practice, and Kyrie, I'm pretty sure, dribbled through his team and the opposing yes, team. Yes, I know what you're talking about. Like, Kobe was on the opposing team. I think, I can't remember all the guys that were there, but it, it's one of the most insane just dribbling sequences I've ever seen. And he somehow, like, like he kind of lost the ball, but at the same time, it looked really controlled. Like, you never would have known... He, like, actually didn't control the ball if you weren't directly looking at it and, like, really paying attention. Like, it kind of looks like it is, but it, not really. I don't know. It's one of the most amazing things I've seen from a basketball perspective. Um, but let's keep on moving on, Trevor. Who did you have for passing? All right, so there's a few different, obviously, candidates for this one. Um, LeBron was one. I didn't put him here. Uh, Steve Nash, another great passer. Chris Paul, another great passer. But I think there's one guy that is probably a little bit better at passing than all three of those guys. And I think that guy is Magic Johnson. Obviously, Magic Johnson, is, is he's known for his passing, just fantastic. You know, he can uh, throw like a lob pass. He can, you know, throw behind the back passes. He can do so many different uh, things with his court vision. So I have Magic Johnson as uh, for passing. You know, that's a good one. I don't have Magic at passing because I have him somewhere else that I think he, he also fits well. Passing is definitely one of those up there. All the guys you named, I think, are very viable options. However, you did not name the assist leader. Um, and for that, I think you were wrong. And my guy at passing is John Stockton. Um, I talked about this uh, when we did our all-time rankings. I said I thought John Stockton was the best passer then, and I'm going to you know keep the same energy. He's still <laughs> the best passer. Uh, so i got to go with John Stockton at passing. He's definitely the guy that I would go with. I'm very surprised you didn't pick Stockton, at, or maybe not pick him, but at least mention him. That's another good option. I would. He's definitely up there. He's definitely up there. I'll give you that. I I just think Magic's a better. Pa- I think Magic's a better passer. His height allows him to uh, have more court vision. I think he's overall a better passer than Stockton. But Stockton is a good selection. Uh, so next is basketball IQ, and again. Uh, I would put LeBron pretty much at almost all of these. I, I don't know if he's three-point or handles necessarily, you know, maybe a couple others, but there's so many of these you can put LeBron at, and I really would not be upset at all. Um, I decided to put him at basketball IQ. I believe he has the greatest basketball IQ of all time. And not only does basketball IQ, his IQ as a whole is so large. He does way too many intelligent things on the court and off the court. Uh, I had to give this to him. I think that's that's respectfully the best thing. For him to be at his basketball IQ. I hope you say the same thing, but I would not be offended if you say someone different. So for me, a yeah. So for me, um, and I, I was really interested to see where you put LeBron. Um, I, I was thinking you would either put him here or at leadership. So it's interesting to see that you put him here. Now with basketball IQ and passing, I think a lot of the same players that I would put at the top of the passing just happen to be also at the top of my ba- the basketball IQ for me. Yeah, so of course. Magic, LeBron, Steve Nash, Stockton, Chris Paul. I think all of these guys are great passers and um, have great basketball IQs. Now, obviously, there are other guys who have basketball high basketball IQs that not, might not necessarily be the greatest passer because there's different 
um, aspects to IQ. Obviously, your defense, mm-hmm. obviously, how you play defense is influenced by your basketball IQ. But ultimately, this is where I also put LeBron. I put LeBron as, for the basketball IQ, I think his is the best of all time. I think it is the best, probably the best aspect of his game. It was tough because he's such a good finisher. Um, he's he's very good at finishing. He's very good at passing. But I put him here at basketball IQ. Yeah, it was tough to figure out where to put LeBron exactly because, like you said, there's just so many good spots for him. But I think this is the best spot for him. Uh, Trevor, you have on-ball defense up next. What do you think? Yeah, so on-ball defense, I was deciding between two players. I was de- deciding between Scottie Pippen and Kawhi Leonard. And it was very tough. I think in, I think they these are two players that have a lot of similarities. I think we've watched, um, well, not necessarily watched a lot of Scotty playing on-ball defense, but like and seeing in clips and different things, you see both of these players do a fantastic job defending some of the other best players in the league. We've seen Kawhi do a pretty good job guarding LeBron in the past. Um, him guarding Durant. Um, it, it's just pretty clear that Kawhi is the best defender we've had in our lifetime. And I think Scotty was the best in you know the generation before that. But I went with Kawhi Leonard. Um, I've just seen it so many times just of what he can do on on-ball defense. And just, you know, I'm just in awe sometimes at Kawhi Leonard's defense. So that's who I went with on-ball defense. Obviously, Scotty's a very good selection too, but I went Kawhi. So I had, for on-ball and off-ball, I had three guys. Um, the guy I picked, someone else that I will also name in a minute, and Kawhi Leonard. Um, and I will say this, Kawhi Leonard did not make either one of those numbers, but he was my third guy. The guy I did take for on-ball defense is Scottie Pippen. Uh, reason being, I think Scottie Pippen's the best defender of all time. Uh, especially when you look back at highlights and the way, the types of players that he had to guard back then were just kind of insane. I mean, he really could, you know, guard so many different types of players. And while Kawhi does a lot of the same things too, I just think Scottie's a slightly better defender, so that's why I went with Scottie. For off-ball defense, I went with Hakeem Olajuwon. So really all three of the go- those guys, I think you can interchange really at any of those places. But I, I put Akeem for off-ball because I think there were so many times that he was able to get blocks and steals and just have the ability to do things when he was not on the ball. And again, so can all three of those guys. But I think Akeem was just slightly better than the other two at, at the off-ball aspect. So Trevor, who do you have for off-ball defense? Right. Um, I think we're really on the same wavelength as far as uh, defense goes because I also have Akeem Olajuwon for off-ball defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was, yeah, it was tough to distinguish. Like, um, like sometimes it's hard to distinguish between off-ball defense and on-ball defense because a lot of what um, made Hakeem's greatness was when you had um, like opposing guards driving to the basket and Hakeem would come over his help defense, his ability to anticipate mm-hmm. The other player driving to the basket or doing different things and coming over and challenging shots or just straight up blocking them. Um, and also, he was very good at getting steals as well. So I have Akeem Olajuwon as uh, for off-ball defense here. He's also a fantastic on-ball defender as well. So that yes. that would have worked mm-hmm. for off- on-ball defense as well. But I have him for off-ball. So next up, we have rebounding, Trevor. It <clears throat> is still to you. Who is your rebounding person? Yeah, so... Again, a lot of great options. Um, there's some like older players, obviously. Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, both averaged over 20 rebounds a game, which is just insane. And also, I think there was like a stat. I was looking at this list that had like rebounding percentage per minute or something like that. And 
I don't think this guy was the highest on it, but for rebounding, I think he was like fifth or fourth. But I put, uh, I picked Dennis Rodman. I think Dennis Rodman, what he can do rebounding the ball, and we've it's been talked about on the documentary a little bit. I've heard it on other podcasts. I've seen it in clips and in games. His ability to box out, his ability to just his effort. He he always wanted to rebound. He like took that in as his role that he took pride in, and he wanted to go and get every rebound, and he sure got a lot of rebounds. There were a lot of times where he averaged close to 20 rebounds as well, even in the 90s. Um, yeah, I think he averaged like 18 rebounds for, for one of those seasons. So I went with Dennis Rodman here. Uh, yeah, Trevor, I did the same thing. I went with Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman, and just from what I've understood, and then when to see him explain about the rebounding, it's so like above. I think just most it's above my head. It, it, just the way he described it is so, so at such a high level where it's impossible for me to not put him here. He was such a great rebounder, and he's he's easily I think the, the number one guy. Obviously, those older guys they average a lot of rebounds, but it was in a time where they were quite you know a lot taller than everyone else. Dennis Rodman was not this enormous giant. You know he was big. Don't get me wrong, but he he wasn't Bill Lambier big. You know he wasn't you know the size of those guys. Um, and he still was one of the best rebounders of all time, uh, if not the best. So I, I have him there. So here's where I think we're going to start. I think the last three, I'm going to have different ones than – I'm going to have a different one than basically all three of yours. So to start off with speed, I think this is one of the fastest players to ever play the game. I think there's a lot of different plays you can play put here. Uh, I personally might be a little bit biased here because it's one of my personal favorite players. Um, and I put De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox – Ran a 40. Oh, I believe it was under a 4-4 when I've, what I saw on Twitter one time. Um, so I decided to put Darren Fox at speed uh, just because he's, he's so explosive too um, where he, he's, he's, he's become really a great player in the NBA, and I think he will be great for a, a long time. Wow. So uh, <laughs> we have the same guy again. I also have De'Aaron Fox. No way! Yes, I do. No I have, way! I have De'Aaron Fox. I can take a picture of my... Uh, my on my paper, I have De'Aaron Fox as well. Uh, for me, it was between him and John Wall. I think they're both super quick. I was trying to like look up like and see if like players had their forty times, and I was trying to look at like all the top guys because literally just looking at speed, uh, or at least for part of it, not not the whole composition of speed, but I think part of it is just like like I just want to find like some kind of forty times, or there's got to be some person who's like done the ran the results and they found who the fastest player was. I couldn't really find that article. Maybe I'd have to search more in depth, but I went with De'Aaron Fox, just watching him play, seeing how quick he can go coast to coast, get up the floor. And he's just a blur in the open floor. And I put De'Aaron Fox here. I mean, I'm sure there's older players that I just didn't think of. And and that's the thing. I think both of our lists might be a little more favored towards newer players because we have seen more of them, and and I will admit mm-hmm. that. That's probably true. That maybe I'm missing out on uh, some of these older players, but Darren Fox is probably him and John Wall were the first two game, first two players that came to my mind. But I think Darren Fox is faster. I think because he's he's skinnier, um, he's he's able to be like he is. I think I think he's just like I don't know. He's probably like 170 pounds or 175 pounds, but he's. I think he's faster, um, but again, you can argue for John Wall. You can probably argue for some guys that played in the 90s or 80s as well. Mm-hmm. I'm very surprised we have the same person. So Trevor, who do you have at athleticism? Um, at athleticism, 
I'm going with one of my favorite players to watch. I mean, mm-hmm. there's times where I just go on YouTube and I just look up highlights for this guy because it's just so insane some of the things he can do. And that player is Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook currently probably my maybe my second favorite player in the NBA right now behind Dame Lillard. But, I mean, I love watching Russell Westbrook. Even sometimes he can be inefficient. You know, he can you know, be really confident and chuck up shots occasionally. But when he's driving to the basket and attacking the rim, I mean, his it's insane to watch. Like, just to watch him. Also another fast player, but he's so he's so strong. He's, you know, he's like 6'4", 215, something like that. And he's very fast driving to the basket. He can finish through contact. Again, like, a lot of these different categories have some, uh, like, crossovers, like, I think a lot of times great finishers are also great athletes and are also pretty fast. I think that, again, as I mentioned before, great passers also have great basketball IQs a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely some crossovers here, but I went with Russell Westbrook here. So originally I had Giannis here at athleticism, um, but I changed it, and I have one of two players. I I think one of them will go down as one of the best athletic players, but he's so early in his career. And then the other one is Russell Westbrook. <laughs> But I put Zion on there. Zion or Russell Westbrook. I think you can look at it two different ways. Zion has this unique athletic ability that no one has ever seen. He is 275 pounds, and he jumps higher than pretty much everyone. So I think you have to at least recognize that. And then Russ, for all the reasons that you said. Um, So I I had to put two of them there. I could not decide. I had a tough time with athleticism for sure. Uh, But those are the guys that I said. So I wanted to get to leadership because we've thrown out this guy's name a lot. And I, I think it's important that we put him at leadership or talk about him here at leadership, and that's Magic Johnson. I know I could have put him at passing. I would have loved to put him there too, um, but I decided to put him at leadership. I think he's one of the best leaders of all time, uh, probably number two behind LeBron James um, because I don't think anyone can really beat uh, LeBron's you know, passing ability. Uh, but no, I, I have Magic here at leadership. Or I mean LeBron's leadership ability, uh, but Magic is here at leadership for me um, because LeBron is at IQ. All right. Um, so, so Magic's another another great um, would be is another great pick here. I obviously put him at passing, mm-hmm. so I can't have him here. Um, I probably I don't know if I would have had him here anyway. I think he might be. I think he's probably number two. But the guy I had was Bill Russell. Now, Bill Russell, obviously, mm-hmm. we we talked about him on our you know rankings pod a couple weeks ago, um, and he he obviously has eleven championships, played on a lot of great Celtics teams, and even won, I think, two of those championships when he was the player coach of the Boston Celtics in the late 60s. So, I mean, that's insane. Just to think about, you know, his leadership where he's just such a great teammate. He's great at um, Mm -hmm. propelling these teams, which already have a good composition of a lot of great players, um, to the highest level, winning that many times, 11 times. And then being the coach and the player. I mean, that's just insane to think about. Being a player coach... On a team that wins a title, that's insane to me. So I went Bill Russell here. Um, it, it was tough, but Bill Russell's who I went with. You know, I, I think that's a good pick. I think we collectively we all made some good picks here. Um, but Trevor, any last words before we kind of wrap up the episode? That, that was definitely a fun segment. Um, yeah, I just think it was very. It was a lot of fun. Um, I was trying to. I was thinking about like my favorite player, Dwayne Wade. I was trying to think about where he would go if he would have 
mm-hmm. had any one of these selections. I think Dwayne Wade's actually probably finishing. Well, yeah. So finishing, and I think Dwayne Wade's leadership is fantastic as well. I think um, he's definitely up there as far as leadership. So I, I would argue mm-hmm. that Dwayne Wade maybe he's a top five, top ten leader. Also very good finisher as well. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean this there's, was a lot of fun. There's one other person that I thought maybe we could talk about for leadership, and that'd be Chris Paul. But I, yeah. I didn't think he was better than Magic necessarily. Chris Paul is one of those guys he wants to win so badly, right? Just so badly. So I don't know. I thought that was a fun segment. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. But I think that'll kind of conclude our episode for today. Thank you all so much for watching. Please go follow us on Twitter at SmallBallerPod and follow us on Twitch, uh, Twitch.tv/backslash. Uh, small baller pod we're gonna we're gonna be streaming some interesting stuff we have really neat plans coming up for that that we're probably not gonna talk about quite yet but a lot of really really cool plans that i think you guys would all really really enjoy uh follow both of us on twitter and ben who cannot be here today um but hopefully we'll be back soon uh subscribe to uh the podcast on whatever platform you're watching on we were on like six or seven platforms now uh just subscribe to one of them it mean a lot to us it's free um we're not gonna ask for money from you guys uh to subscribe so Uh, Yeah, with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Go Falcons!